0: What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Friday, April the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are just 13 days away from the NFL draft, and the Dolphins are working to button up yet another need on the roster. We'll dive into what Kenny Vaccaro could mean for the Dolphins defense in 2018. We compare the top two linebackers in this draft, revisit the 2010 Miami Dolphins draft class, and end the week with yet another updated model draft. But first, before any of that, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Voted the best Twitter handle on Dolphins Twitter and the show at Locked On Fins. You can check out our written content on lockedondolphins.com, including a bunch of new pieces from Kevin Dern, the three part series on the draft primer. He just posted the defensive back series up right now. So check that out, lockedondolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast for your NBA playoff basketball needs. We've got a busy show. Let's go ahead and kick it off. That's another
1: Miami Dolphins.
0: And the first news of item of the day today is talking about the potential signing of former New Orleans Saints safety Kenny Vaccaro. He was a 2013 first round draft pick out of the University of Texas and what he was in his career. He had a pretty slow start to his career, but came on really strong in 2015 and 2016 until he struggled again in 2017. But he found himself later on in the year in more of a big nickel position as the year went along. And that big nickel position, what it is, is basically a glorified slot position. They'll often play, you know, five yards, 10 yards off the slot receiver. But there's also a couple instances where you see him press the slot receiver, particularly when it's a tight end that is in a nasty split and that nasty split if you guys have seen me use that term before what that means is you have a player that's detached from from the line of scrimmage, but they're in tight next to the tackles on the line of scrimmage. So that nasty split, there was a good clip I put on Twitter today where he jammed up Ed Dixon pretty good of the Carolina Panthers. He had 10 plays on the ball last year, 3 interceptions, 7 pass breakups. That kind of tells you about the players' ball skills. Just for a point of reference, Rashad Jones had 8 last year, and TJ McDonald's career high is 9 plays on the football, combining interceptions as well as pass breakups. But this move, or potential move, They're talking about a one-year contract, kind of a prove-it deal that Vaccaro couldn't get in New Orleans. The Saints are moving on because they have a couple of good safeties in their own right. And Marcus Williams, the rookie who had a sensational year last year up until that debacle in Minnesota that was very unfortunate for that young man, as well as Von Bell, both very good players. So Kenny Vaccaro, kind of the third man, the odd man out, even though he found himself on the field a lot. And that kind of transitions perfectly into our next point where I wanted to bring up the idea that the Dolphins... Need another safety to go along with Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. Now, say what you want about McDonald in terms of him not getting the chemistry right with Rashad Jones, according to Adam Gaze, at the owners' meetings. Or say what you want about him in terms of not being a punishing tackler like we thought he was or not being good enough in coverage. Whatever it is you want to say about TJ McDonald there is room for he as well as Kenny Vaccaro and even another safety on the roster early in the draft. For one, if he signed Vaccaro to a one-year deal, we've talked about the fact that you're not committed to McDonald long-term. Vaccaro obviously would not be a long-term deal. So quit thinking in the eyes of drafting for a need immediately this year. If you draft Derwin James this year, and I go back to that position or that player every single time, if you draft Derwin James He's there for a long time. He's a five-year commitment. So you're drafting him for more than just this year with a little bit of foresight and planning your roster for future seasons and not just focusing on the need right away. But it does kind of signal the idea the Dolphins. And we've talked about it all offseason. You guys have heard me talk about red zone defense where they were 30th in the NFL, third long defense where they were 32nd in the NFL. And it's just been a problem trying to minimize the mismatch pieces the offense has with speedy running backs catching the ball out of the backfield, tight ends that can't match up with this linebacker group. And basically, what a dime defense is is it gets guys like Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons off the field in those situations, flexing out wide in a position that is suited for a cornerback or, I guess, a athletic safety. And you have a linebacker that's trying to cover these guys in one-on-one situations. That's how you get Kiko Alonso overrunning Christian McCaffrey. That's how you get a motion set where Lawrence Timmons flexes out wide to go get Ed Dixon, and then McCaffrey motions out of the backfield. Alonso falls him out there. They run a simple two-man route combination, and it doesn't take very long for one of those guys to lose their man for an easy Panthers touchdown in that Monday night beatdown. So the dime defense gets you more safeties, more hybrid types of players onto the field, and you can sacrifice a little bit by way of the running game simply because... These 220, 230-pound safeties that can be basically beefed up linebackers that can run and cover a little bit better, they give you more flexibility in terms of hiding your package when you break the huddle, so the offense can't just come out and attack you that way. Obviously, you're allowed to substitute after the offense makes a substitution, but they can attack your weaknesses and your packages that way. But if you have these hybrid types of players, it makes you more disguised in what you can do with your coverage, and it helps your pass defense immensely And unless you're playing one of those gap-scheme, run-heavy teams with a bunch of maulers on the offensive line, basically John Gruden's 1998 Oakland Raiders, it's not going to matter too much because the modern game is about passing the football, it's about athleticism, it's about speed. My favorite line from Daniel Jeremiah at the Move the Sticks podcast is, show me a slow football team, I'll show you a bad football team. The Dolphins were slow on defense last year, they were bad on defense last year. Doesn't take a lot to figure that out. Now, you look at the Saints snap counts at safety. I talked about how three of those guys had the high snap counts that they did, and I put it on Twitter. You can follow me there, at NFL For more of these video breakdowns I did, I did some snap count breakdowns. Good stuff throughout the course of the day while I can't quite write or podcast. I just stayed on Twitter during the course of the day. But during these tweets, I talked about how Marcus Williams had something like 958 snaps in 2017, the rookie. Von Bell had 800 and something snaps. And Kenny Vaccaro was like at 658, I want to say it was. So... You look at those discrepancies. Kenny Vaccaro played about 65% of the snaps. Von Bell was 74, and Marcus Williams was about 90. So they, they played all three guys, but that tells you right there in a nutshell that these guys were all healthy throughout the course of most of the entire season. So they did play a lot of three safety packages, and most defenses play three cornerbacks in every single play. The nickel defense is the base defense in the NFL. So with three safeties and three corners, that's the dime defense, and the Dolphins never ran this last year. Rashad Jones was about 97% in terms of playing the defensive snaps last year. Once TJ McDonald got off of his suspension after the eighth game of the season, he played 98% of the snaps from week 9 to week 17, and then when there was Nate Allen in the beginning, he was playing all the snaps until he got hurt, and then it was a combination of Michael Thomas and Marie Smith. So the Dolphins never brought a third safety onto the field. Rather, they would go with Kiko Alonso or Lawrence Timmons in those coverage situations. And that's why your third down defense is that bad. It's that simple. So start thinking about defense as more of a positionless defense. And I heard this take on Twitter today. I believe it was eyebrows on fleek. I forget your handle, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not mentioning that. But he had a good point about how it's like NBA basketball. And I'm not a basketball guy, but apparently on defense in NBA, these guys don't, you don't have the small forward, power forward, shooting guard distinctions anymore. It's just playing defense, I suppose, but it's definitely that way in the NFL. So you can get matchup pieces like a Derwin James who can play safety, corner, linebacker, whatever you want. He's positionless, he's just a versatile matchup piece that can eliminate certain players on the field you got to sacrifice that run defense for a better athlete, and that's what teams are doing. The Patriots have been doing it for a long time now. The rest of the NFL is starting to catch up like they always do, so I'm sure the Patriots will have something else up their sleeves in the near future. So when you start thinking about drafting by need per position on defense, just consider that the NFL is evolving into something different than you're used to, and you're going to start seeing teams plan accordingly. All right, guys, we got plenty more on this Friday edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast as we send you into the weekend, including yet another mock draft. The Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Winfield NFL at Lockdown Finns. Moving on, I would say first down was a smashing success. We have another first and 10 here on the second segment on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And before we get into that, I wanted to remind you guys about some pieces up on lockdowndolphins.com. I have my 11th pick series, the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith. And I wanted to talk about them on the podcast because as I was going through the linebacker piece, I'm doing three of them. I suspended Rashawn Evans because I wanted to get more into Kenny Vaccaro, but he hasn't signed yet, so I don't want to get too far into that. So I have that column half written. I have some Rashawn Evans gifs cut up for you guys. So we'll get to that next week as the draft gets even closer and closer. But the two linebackers that I have looked at, Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech and Roquan Smith from Georgia. I got a little bit of pushback on my Roquan Smith mention and – it's from one of my good buddies on Twitter, PFF Ryan. He's the one that runs the PFF Miami account. Very good Twitter account and very good Dolphins fan and analyst as well. But he he kind of got after me for saying that Roquan Smith, for me, wasn't a viable option at the 11th pick. And it's not because I have anything against Roquan Smith. I think he is potentially not a very good run defender when you go between the tackles, which kind of goes against my saying that this is kind of an archaic position in the NFL and that it is kind of going extinct by the way of the fullback in the sense that you don't really have these B-gap to B-gap run defenders anymore and the ones that you do, you're only playing for 30% of the downs. But Roquan Smith struggles in that area, but everything else about his game is clean. I love the way he can reroute at the line of scrimmage. He can show blitz and back out and find his right spot and find his route and find his man and create the hot route to be not open for the quarterback on a blitz or he can blitz and cause chaos on the quarterback with pressure, sacks, force fumbles. He can do all of that. He is tremendous defending the run to the edge, sideline to sideline. He has amazing closing speed. He does take some false steps, which slows him down, which is crazy to think about because of how fast he really is. But he can get to the edge, he can set it, and he can turn it back inside, and he can make the tackle himself. So he's a very gifted, sure tackler. He is the most sure tackler in the country last year at linebacker. So I, I don't have enough positive things to say about him. I just worry about the fact that his position and what he is could start getting replaced by guys like Derwin James that can play single high safety and run around and cover man up and all that stuff that a safety can do, which is basically becoming a glorified linebacker these days. So athletic over thumping is kind of the new way of the NFL and that's my thinking there now with Tremaine Edmonds he's not as polished his instincts are not as good he gave up a big big touchdown pass where he had missed a key to the Clemson running back I forget the running back that it was it wasn't Etienne the the Travis Etienne freshman kid from Clemson it was the other one I forget his name But he allowed a touchdown to him on a long pass where he snuck out the back door, and that was his responsibility. He kind of misflows the wrong direction every now and then, but when he gets it right, man, it is so clean looking. It's like Josh Allen, but even better from a linebacker's perspective. And the way he arrives violently, he's a good blitzer. He can rush off the edge. He's not refined yet. Everything he does is raw. He doesn't really have a good arsenal of pass rush moves, but he can play on the ball. And that's why I think he is a better prospect at the 11th pick, because I'm not going to draft a guy at the 11th pick that can only only play off the ball. Now, Roquan Smith is a great A-gap blitzer, but I've never really seen him rush the edge with any effectiveness, whereas Tremaine Edmonds at times can dip under those offensive tackles with those long arms, those big tree vines that he has, and he can make plays from the edge there. So is he as good in coverage as Roquan Smith? I don't think so, not yet, but he's only 19 years old. He has plenty and plenty of room to grow. I talked about it in that column, how they talked about how he was a 17-year-old freshman at Virginia Tech, and he got himself into the into the game, onto the playing field, and he even had like two and a half tackles for a loss as a 17-year-old freshman in the ACC. Just absolutely insane production from a young kid like that. I think his... Ceiling is much higher than Roquan Smith's. I think Roquan Smith is a ready-for-made player right now. You can put him on this defense, and this defense gets a lot better right away. Tremaine Edmonds could have a massive impact in terms of like a Von Miller where he can rush the pass or cover and just do everything you want from possibly a Sam or a Will position. I don't even know where you put Tremaine Edmonds because he can do it all. The fact that there's no comp on him kind of speaks to his uniqueness, and they said... I don't know who you want me to compare him to because there's nobody like him I've ever seen before. So he is a physical freak, not quite as polished as Roquan Smith. I worry about taking linebackers at the 11th pick because of the fact that position might be coming a little bit antiquated. And I want to see more safeties, more defensive backs, and try to defend the pass and end this damn Tom Brady reign we've had to deal with for the last two decades. And while we're on the subject of talking about the NFL draft It's a little bit too light in here. Let's go ahead and darken it up and get you guys a little bit more depressed heading into the weekend as we go back over the 2010 draft class for the Miami Dolphins. And the most famous sticking point for this draft class, despite the fact that we got a player that has been an all-pro for us, For a number of years, and he was drafted in the fifth round of this draft. But it's most remembered for the safety they didn't draft in the first round when they traded back to recoup a second round pick that was lost in the Brandon Marshall trade. So the first round they go, I think it was pick number 27, Jared Audrick, the defensive tackle out of Penn State. He had an up-and-down career. He was never quite as productive as a pass rusher as you would have liked. He was a good interior pass rusher on nickel downs, but other than that, never really made much of a career. Went on to Jacksonville and had a couple of years there. Flamed out of the league. I believe he's retired now. Second round was Koa Misi, the linebacker that was always, always injured. It just never worked out for him. He was very good at that Sam position, that Sam linebacker position, a good tackler, a good edge setter when he was healthy, but he could just never stay healthy. In the third round, right guard John Jerry. You guys remember him from the hard knock series when he was thrown up on the field and that crazy offensive line coach was trying to get him into shape, but it didn't work out for him either. He goes on to the New York Giants and has a better career there, a good starter for the Giants. Linebacker AJ Eds, the inside linebacker, he did never work out. Nolan Carroll, the fifth-round cornerback, he had some good years in Miami at the end. He kind of had his potential going up when he left the Dolphins after becoming a free agent, went on to the Philadelphia Eagles, had a couple of good years there. A... A good career for a fifth-round draft pick, but the next one was the pick that made the draft for the Miami Dolphins in the fifth round, all-pro safety Rashad Jones out of Georgia, still going for the Dolphins on a big contract, still the linchpin of this defense on the back end. Just a tremendous leader, a guy that cares about the game, tremendous tackler, great in coverage. He can pick the ball off and take it back to the house and do a misty flip into the end zone. One of my favorite Dolphins of all time, Rashad Jones, in the fifth round of the 2010 NFL Draft. Chris McCoy, the 7th round pick, outside linebacker, and inside linebacker, Austin Spittler, in the same year. Uh, Once again, neither of those guys really made much of a name for themselves in the NFL. So, yet another draft class that didn't quite work out for the Dolphins. I would say, just because of getting Rashad Jones, the All-Pro, this is the best one we've gone over so far, which is pretty sad to say. And just imagine if they could have had Earl Thomas at the top of that draft to go along with Rashad Jones, just the same way the Seahawks got Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. That could have happened. It was a possibility. The Dolphins didn't capitalize on it. They go with Jared Odrick and Koa Misi, and the rest is history. So another failed offensive line pick, another defensive lineman that didn't quite work out, a linebacker that has been... The position has been an issue for a long, long time now. A guy that couldn't stay healthy. So another busted draft class for the Miami Dolphins in 2010. We'll get to the rest of the draft classes next week as we get closer and closer to the draft. But for now, we have another mock draft to get to at the end of this podcast, on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. And a quick programming note before we continue here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I tried the trash Twitter takes and I was ambivalent about it from the start and... I come to today, and I see the kind of the responses on Twitter, and it's just out of my character. I don't really like talking crap, even though the two guys that I mentioned from Twitter, George Mack and Professor Lou, are very well-deserving, very unpleasant people to talk to on Twitter, both blocked on my account. But I found some tweets by theirs and, and put them out there and, and kind of put my own tweet out there to – bring some levity to the situation, but I just didn't like it. It's not what I'm about. It's not what I'm here for. So I apologize for that mistake. That was a mistake on my part. Let's go ahead and just nip that in the bud, move on, not do it again. And let's move on to a mock draft I drew up today. And this is based off some of the stuff I've been working on from drafttech.com. I am the Dolphins insider on that site And just looking at the guys that were available in some of the picks I had, and I know it's not always going to be accurate. There's always going to be someone saying, you're not getting that guy in the third round. He's going a lot higher than that, and I understand that. But this is just the best I can work with. I'm going off of a draft board that has a lot of guys that put a lot of time and inside information into this. So just going off of that board, what's available to me, this is the draft class that I came up with today. Number one, pick 11, hasn't changed all offseason. Safety, Derwin James out of Florida State. Gives us that dime safety. It gives us that mismatch piece we've been talking about all offseason. In the second round, pick 42 running back that I don't think will be there, but he was in this case. If he is, you run to the podium with the card. The Dolphins have been very, very interested in this running back. Out of Georgia, Sony Michelle, to go along with Kenyon Drake, and that would just be... One of the best running back duos in the NFL, for my money. I have a very high opinion of Sonny Michelle, much in the same way I felt about Dalvin Cook last year. And Kenyon Drake, for my money, is one of the best up-and-coming backs in the league. So that would be a dynamic duo there. Pick number 73 in the third round, tight end Ian Thomas out of Indiana. Chris Kaufman, the guy CK Parra on Twitter, loves him. Absolutely loves him. He's a big body, athletically built. He can create separation both with size and a little bit of suddenness to his game. So look for him to possibly come into the fold there in the third round. In the fourth round, the Dolphins get their backup quarterback. Pick 123, quarterback Luke Falk out of Washington State. I don't know that he'll be there because of some of the mocks I've seen have him going higher. But then again the way the quarterbacks tend to fall in the draft is a guy will get pushed down because you have six or seven teams taking quarterbacks ahead of that guy. So all of a sudden now the the eight or nine teams that had quarterback needs, most of those needs are filled. So you kind of get guys that fall later in those middle rounds. So Luke Falk, his lack of pocket presence, his lack of big arm, pushes him down the draft a little bit. He finds his way to Miami where he can kind of refine his game, win the backup quarterback job behind Ryan Tannehill. Also in the fourth round, pick 131, linebacker Darius Leonard out of South Carolina State. I have only seen his senior bowl footage and some clips on YouTube, not an actual full game breakdown on his film, but I love the way he moves good lateral movement he can cover, and that's something the Dolphins really need at the linebacker position. In the sixth round, we go back to the linebacker well. Another coverage linebacker. He played safety his first year at Vanderbilt. He put on the outside linebacker position his next year, and then he moved inside and had a bunch of tackles he can cover as well. Linebacker Oren Burks, he was phenomenal looking at the scouting combine, so I took him up. And then the seventh round, I took a flyer here on a guy that probably won't be available at this spot either, but he's an oft-injured tight end from the University of Miami. You guys are familiar with him. Chris Herndon will put him on the roster and just kind of redshirt him for a year. And then my guy, cornerback, Devron Davis out of UTSA, pick number 229 in the seventh round as well. So we get Derwin James, Sony Michelle, Ian Thomas, Luke Falk, Darius Leonard, Oren Burks, Chris Herndon, Devrin Davis. We go two linebackers, a quarterback, a two tight ends, a running back, a safety, and a corner. So kind of spreading out the wealth among the needs. Don't Didn't go offensive line. I feel like this offensive line with the depth we have, anyone they draft in the late rounds is going to have a hard time making this roster. So I'd rather just wait till next year to go back into that well. When we may have a need once Josh Sitton or possibly Dan Kilgore gets a little bit too long in the tooth. And then just real quick before we get out of here on the show today, a couple of quick news items for you guys. Former Dolphins wide receiver Jarvis Landry signs a five-year, $75 million contract with $47 million guaranteed. Makes him the fifth highest paid wide receiver. That's the last we're going to talk about Jarvis Landry on the show, but just to let you guys know, the Dolphins avoided that massive contract in a very nice way. Also, we've talked a lot about defense the last couple of weeks, and there's even more good content on LockedOnDolphins.com than just my 11th pick series, talking about Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick Tremaine Edmonds as well as Roquan Smith but Kevin Dern's draft primer the final part part 3 is up now focusing on defensive backs you will not want to miss that he has put great work into the linebacker and defensive tackle positions on the draft primer on LockedOnDolphins.com that's going to do it for tonight's podcast guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. Follow our flagship show at Lockdown NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. And check out the normal rated blog in the Lockdown Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.